Uh, good morning. I was feeling a little uh, silly that day, so there we go. And I noticed that y'all did get to see at one point my halo as the light was around my head. Y'all should take heed of that. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning on a day when the time we sprung forward and we are ready for spring now. We have the slow, drizzly rain outside that God's blessed us with. We are here this morning to worship. We want First Baptist to be a place where people find Jesus and give Jesus away. And part of giving Jesus away is being for Jones County because Jesus is for Jones County. So try to do something to show Jesus to this world this week. Try to do something to let Jones County see Jesus. One of the things you can do is this morning we have a number of folks whose faces I don't recognize. Make sure you greet somebody besides just the folks that you know. Make everybody feel at home. Make everybody feel welcome. It is a great day to be in the, day, in the house of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, as we approach the service this morning. Help us to remember how great you are. Help us to remember, Lord, that we were lost and that we've been found. Help us to remember, Lord, that you are merciful and you are kind, that you comfort the afflicted, that you strengthen us, that you tell us in your word that you'll lift us up on wings like eagles and that we'll run and we'll never faint because of you. You tell us in your word that no matter the adversity that comes in our lives, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And you tell us, Lord, that we are new creations, that we are crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That we are not slaves to anything or anybody. We are children of the King, made that way by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for coming to look for us and finding us. We thank you for loving us. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would be worshipped. In Jesus' name, amen. Just so you don't forget. We're going to have 150 of those out in the vestibule and in the uh, chapel gathering area that after the service you could take one home and put it in your front yard. And those folks that are driving along going, I think we'll go to church on Easter. Where should we go? It'd work for me, you know, so little sly reminders here and there. Scripture this morning is John chapter 9, verses, it's actually the whole chapter, but we're going to look at 1 through 7. Uh, it's a study, it's what it is. I love this, there's some stuff in here that I'm going to tell you that you're going to go, yeah, okay, and I'm hoping there's some stuff in here that we're going to talk about that you're going to go, oh, okay, this is, this is a neat story. It's a very, very, well, they're all neat stories. You know, this is good. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7 is what we're going to read. It's actually the whole chapter. You need to go home and read it because it's pretty cool. As he was passing by, he being Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day, not as coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. And after he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. 
Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Now, how many times, how many times, I think we've mentioned this once before in the past, how many times have you passed by things and not seen them? They become so natural, normal, you're just not paying attention, you just don't see them anymore. This week, uh, Fred Allen took me on a tour of the Hitch to D Experimental Forest, for, Forest, Forest, Forest Gump, Forest, there we go. He took me through the forest, and uh, Fred has spent his life working in the forest. Y'all know that, or many of you that know Fred know that. And he would be very quick to affirm that what Romans 1.20 says is absolutely true. It says, for his indivis- invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. I do not dispute when people tell me that they hunt and they feel very close to God when they're out in nature, when they're fishing. I don't dispute those things. That's not your church, even though you may say it's your church because there are not people and the deer don't care. They just get shot. But anyway, you see God in that. That's why you go to the mountains. That's why you go to the beach. Has anybody gone to the beach and not stood on the seashore for a few minutes just sort of quiet because the waves rolling in and as far as you can see is water and you know that God created all of this. So we go to the forest, traveling along a ridge line and Fred stops the truck and he asks me what I see. And so I look out and goes down a hill and there's trees and there's rocks and say, okay, He's telling me that there's something here I need to see. What is it? Because all I see is rocks and trees. And then after a second, I realize that these rocks are in a pattern, that they're not normal, just scattered rocks. So I mentioned the rocks. He said, yeah, those rocks are the headstones and footstones of graves that were probably slaves that worked that property years and years ago when it wasn't a forest, when it was farmland. And see, I would have never noticed those. I would have just driven right on by. And if I remember the story right from Fred, he had driven by those until somebody pointed it out to him. We just go by things all the time, and we don't notice that they're there. We don't see that they're there, but they are. Just as an aside, and y'all remember to pray for this guy. Y'all know the guy... Y'all know several sermons I've mentioned, the roaming gnome down in Macon. Y'all remember he stands usually at 2nd Street. He was hit by a car this week, and he is in intensive care at the medical center down in Macon. I read it on uh, Macon.com. And you go, pray for the guy. They don't know who he is. They They don't know any relatives. He has no identification. They don't know his name. He's a guy that we've all driven by. If you go to Macon, we've driven by this guy a hundred times. Just a guy. And now he's fighting for his life in a, in a hospital. But that's what we do. We drive by and we, and we miss these things. Our story begins with these words. As he was passing by, there was a man. He saw a man blind from birth. Now, how many times have we heard that lately? As he was passing by. Remember Zacchaeus in that story? Do y'all remember where Jesus was headed when he ran into Zacchaeus? He was headed to Jericho. He was not headed to Zacchaeus. He was headed to Jericho. But as he was passing by, 
He knew Zacchaeus was going to be in that tree, and that day Zacchaeus met Jesus as he was going, as he was going, as he was passing by. Jesus and this crew, think about this, Jesus and this crew probably had exited the temple through that gate more than one time. And these beggars, that's how they made their money. This beggar could have been here every time they passed by. But this day, this day is different. This day, they notice him. And this guy, the scripture says, was was blind from birth. Now, folks, y'all know this. The Roman gnome that's fighting for his life down in Macon did not wear a sign around his neck that says that I'm mentally ill, that doesn't say that I'm homeless, it doesn't say, you don't know. This guy wasn't wearing a sign that said blind from birth. The only one that would have known that were were his family, him, and Jesus. And now they know he was blind from birth. One of the things that I want, before we go any further, one of the things I want to bring out is our whole Fort Jones County thinking. The whole thinking is based on as you go, as you go. It's not a special effect that you're trying to do something. It is as you go, become aware. As you go, pay attention. As you go, look around. As you go and drop your child off at school, look at the other kids that are getting out of the car. Look at the teachers that are walking in. Look at the student teachers who are all six years old as they're walking in. Pay attention to what's going on around you. The other cars, the people you see every day, pay attention to these folks. People that we never pay attention to, pay attention now. Pay attention in a different way. Pray that Jesus will heighten your awareness of your surroundings so that you can see what he sees when he is there. The only way for us to be for Jones County is to be aware of us, be aware of what's around us here in Jones County, and to understand it like Jesus understands it. So, verse 2, but his disciples ask him, here's where we get, I hope you pick something up here, Rabbi, Who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, back in those days, y'all going to have to work with me here because this is like you got to think a little bit, and I know we lost an hour of sleep. The music was really, really good, but just because the preacher stood up now doesn't mean it's time to go to sleep. So y'all just hang in there, and I want you to think about this. Back in those days, and some people do it now, people think that if something bad happens to you, then you must have deserved it. You must have done something wrong for God to visit something bad on you. People thought that then. It's an old Jewish philosophy. They believed if you had a tragedy, it was your fault. And you know, sometimes it is. I was on the phone with Luke uh, yesterday, I think it was. Nope, day before yesterday. Uh, Day before yesterday, he's coming home from work. And and he's talking along like he does when we talk. And all of a sudden he says, "Uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. And I said, what is it, buddy? What is it? What is it? And he said, there's a guy who's passing all of us on a double yellow uphill, and a car just crested the hill. And the guy swooped in just in time not to have a wreck. You do that enough? Let me say this first, and I'll, I'll say this in strong language. That's stupid. And if you do it, you need some mental help. I'm telling you, I've watched people do it as I drive up 129, 
scares me to death. You're not in that big a hurry unless you're in that big a hurry to see Jesus. Just don't take me when you go. But anyway, sidetracked a little bit. So he's, he's saying that sometimes we cause things to happen. We drink and drive, text and drive, do drugs and drive. We do drugs, we drink, we do all these things that end up causing something bad to happen. There's cause and effects, but sometimes no. Sometimes no. Your child is born autistic with downs or is deaf or is blind or is missing a limb or you name a million things that a child could be born with and nobody caused those. Nobody caused them. In their time, in the Jewish time, there had to have been a reason and God had to visit the situation on you to pay, repay you for your sin. Now, listen to the, y'all got to listen to the text. You got to think. In the text here, it says, who sinned, the man or his parents? You think about that. Parents, no big deal. We do it all the time. Sinning, we got that thing down. We know how to sin. We have no problems with sinning. Parents, no, this guy was born this way. Anybody see any problems with that? Which, man, which person sinned, the man or his parents? He was born blind. So for him to have had blindness visited upon him as punishment, he had to sin in his mother's womb. And they thought you could do that. Can you believe that? They thought that in your mother's womb you could sin. You go back to Malachi. See, these guys had to work this thing out because they do what we do with God. When we don't understand something, we have to give God an out. And so in Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, think with me. The word says, this is the Lord's declaration. Even so, I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. Do y'all remember reading that? Any of y'all ever read that? I loved Jacob, but I hated Esau, and God never explains himself. He never goes into detail. And that doesn't sound right. God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau. And it makes us feel uncomfortable. Made the rabbis uncomfortable. So in order for this to make sense, knowing that God is sovereign, just, merciful, good, to make all this make sense, the rabbis decided that Esau tried to kill Jacob while he was in his mother's womb. See, they were twins. I don't know if you know the story or not, but they were twins. And mama said that these babies are extremely active in the wombs. I forget exactly her words, but she was not comfortable. These kids were sort of tussling. And And the rabbi said, well, the reason they were tussling is because Esau was trying to kill Jacob in the womb. So obviously, this blind guy sinned before he was born. Now, ladies, I expect I, I have I have never had a baby personally, and uh, am happy about that. I have prayed the Jewish prayer. Thank you, Lord, for not making me a woman. I don't. Y'all got too many issues. But you may have thought your child was sinning in the womb, but I don't think that happens. I just don't believe that happens. And then you get to verse three. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, neither this man 
nor his parents sinned, listen, this will make you uncomfortable. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Nobody sinned, Jesus said. Nobody sinned. Now I want to stop here, take a little bit of an aside to speak just to a very small subset of our church population here. I want you to hear what Jesus said here. Some of you have had babies or you've had children who have had babies or, or you've got friends that have had babies and these ch children were born with innumerable difficulties and these difficulties break your heart. I know this. I know this, okay? Invariably, you will do what everybody does. What did I do to cause this? I want you to be off the hook. You didn't do anything. Now, if you're a typical mom going through a typical pregnancy with a typical dad, nobody sinned. Let yourself off the hook. But now you've got to listen to this next part. And this next part is really, really hard. Listen to what he says. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Now, I don't know if God caused this man to be born blind or if he allowed this man to be born blind, but God is sovereign and he could have stopped it if he had wanted to. Jesus said this man had suffered blindness all of his life, so this particular moment in this story could happen so that God's work might be displayed in him. Now, what's God's work? What is God's work? Y'all are going to know this because we've talked about it over and over and over again. If you stay in the book of John, God's work is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you go to Luke like we did the other day, this one's a whole lot easier than John 3.16. For the Son of Man has come to do what? Seek and save the lost. See, this moment in time... This particular moment in time is so that Jesus could make this blind man see and that the people that would see this happen could become believers as well. This was not a moment for God to stand up and be narcissistic and say, look at me, ooh, I'm God, ooh, I'm God. That's not the whole point. The point here is for him to find the lost. Have you ever thought about the word lost? Have you ever thought about the word lost? The word lost means that you've got, have you ever lost anything? Oh, yeah. That means that your car keys aren't where they're supposed to be, so they're lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. That means that we're not where we're supposed to be, so he came to bring us back to him. It's the whole idea 
I know this is hard. I know this is hard. And, and we look at this blind man. We sympathize with him. Some of us ache for him. And we think it's not right that God used him, allowed him to suffer all of these years. But then I look at the scripture, and I don't say this lightly, and you will probably have to remind me of this one day when my time comes. But what greater honor do we have than to be a servant of God. And that's the way we have to look at that. And that's hard. That's very hard. But this is what we're saying. Second Corinthians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Another little aside right there. He comforts us in our affliction. If you believe that God wants your health and happiness and prosperity, you are not in the gospel. He says here, he comforts us in our affliction. That means he allows things to happen to us that hurt that cause pain to his glory so that we can share our comfort with one another so that we can truly say I've walked in your shoes and I know what it feels like and God's going to see you through this this guy's blind this guy's blind all right after he'd said these things he spit on the ground Y'all going to think this is nuts. It may be. It don't matter. It's cool. He said these things. He spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which meant scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Now, you're welcome to disagree with me here because there's not enough data. Nobody knows. Everybody's got all kinds of ideas. I just think this is cool. Think about this scene. Think about the scene. Think about, hello, think about the scene. Y'all in the, in the chapel, think about this scene. Here Jesus is. Have you been to a ball field, some of y'all in the last 24 hours, have you been to a ball field lately? When I played ball, there was always a layer of dust on the ground, unless it rained. There's always a layer of dust. And you could scoop that dust up in your hands like fine powder, right? Yep, like fine powder. Y'all going to nod, yep, uh-huh, y'all know what I'm talking about. You've held it in your hands before. It's like fine powder. So Jesus reaches down. He scoops up some red Georgia dust, except he's in Israel, so he scooped up some red Israel dust, and he's got this like fine powder, and then, and then, and then Jesus goes, That's what it says, right? Saliva, he didn't drool, and he makes his paste of mud, and then he rubs it on this guy's eyes. Now think about this. Think about this. If he was rubbing it in your eyes, what would you do? The minute he came at you, you're going to close. This guy's blind. He don't know to close his eyes. He don't know to act like your little heathen rug rat that has managed to get pink eye. 
that has to have, I think they still do this, I think I remember doing this, you get that little tube of junk that you have to squirt in their eye, and so you have to hold them real hard with one hand, and you have to peel their eye open with the other hand, while you take the other hand and squirt that little stuff in their eye, and that's three hands, and yet we all figured out how to do it, you know, because the kid's not going to let you put anything in his eyes. This blind man didn't know to do any of that. He just sat there. And Jesus took this mud, and he rubbed it on this guy's eyes. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But just think about this. Jesus rubs, listen, Jesus rubs the dust of the earth into this guy's eyes. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. Now, I don't know how Jesus did this. I just think it's cool that he took dust. Now, this isn't my idea. It's not original with me. I got it from somebody else, and I think it's really, really cool. He got some dust, and he rubbed it in this guy's eyes. I don't know. We don't know if he had eyeballs or not. We don't know what was in there. Saw a picture on Fox News' website of a little boy that was born with no eyes. He's got these two little gaping spots. Jesus took mud that he made with his own spit and rubbed it in this guy's eyes. And he went and washed. And he came back and he could see. That's, to me, that's cool, guys. Dust of the ground, creator of the universe. Go back to John 1.1. We studied that. Nothing was created that wasn't created through Jesus. Uh, it's just cool. It's just as cool, as cool as it can possibly be. So, God goes and washes. Oh, one other thing. Don't want to miss that. Was this guy saved? That is not rhetorical. I want somebody to say the answer. Was this guy saved? The guy that was blind, was he a Christian? Was he a Christ follower? No. No, he wasn't. How much faith did he have? Zero zip, nada, not a bit. Jesus healed a heathen, had no faith. So once again, if you're listening to those preachers that tell you that if you just have enough faith, you're not listening to the gospel again. Faith comes a different way. You don't conjure that up. This guy had nothing, and Jesus still worked. Now, Jesus heals this guy, and the church police get all bent out of shape. Because, see, Jesus, y'all don't, y'all, we wouldn't want Jesus in our church. I'm telling you right now, we wouldn't want Jesus. Look around at each other. We wouldn't want Jesus in this place. He don't follow the rules. He don't do what we say to do. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, he can heal anybody he wants to. On Sunday, he better have his posterior planted in that seat, wearing his finest clothes, putting on a little bit of cologne but not too much, and sit right there and stand up when he's told and sit down when he's told and walk out and shake hands with the preacher on the way out. And Jesus went, you know what, guys? I don't play that way. Jesus said instead, I passed by this guy who was born blind and I healed him on Sunday, actually it was Saturday for them, but we're going to make it easy on us, healed him on a Sunday, and the church police said, you can't do that. 
And they called the young man in, or old man, I don't know how old this guy was, called this guy in and questioned him about it. Who do you say this guy is that made you see? And in verse 17, he says, well, he's a prophet. He's still not saved. He just says, this guy's a prophet. Now, there's a lot that goes on in the story. You need to go home and read it. It's really, really cool. But it keeps going. They call his parents in. His neighbors say, well, he looks like the guy who used to be blind, but I'm not sure if he's the guy that used to be blind. And then he called parents in, and the parents know that they're going to get in trouble if they go up against the church police. And so they say, well, you don't ask us. Go ask him and throw him under the bus again. And they call him back in here again. And this time... He says to these leaders, if this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. So he's moved him from just a teacher, and now he's to somebody that's from God. You watch the progression of his faith growing here, and the, the people tossed him out of the, out of the synagogue, and there's a whole lot more we'll talk about in just a second. John 9, 35 through 38 says, Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe. I believe, Lord, he said. And he worshipped him. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. Now, this is what you need to understand about being thrown out. They didn't just throw him out of the church. It's not like you're throwing somebody or your house and saying, don't come back. When they threw him out, they threw him out of the community. They threw him out of everything. They told him, you cannot be here anymore. People cannot associate with you anymore. You can't live here. You can't work here. You've got to go away. When they throw him out, he can finally see. And men punished him for it. I, I don't know if the irony escapes you there or not. But the man can finally see his life has been absolutely changed. And the religious leaders punished him for it. But Jesus, what did Jesus come for? What did we say a minute ago? He came to seek and save the lost. And he heard, he heard that the man had been thrown out. And what did Jesus do? What does Scripture say that Jesus do? He went looking for him. Why? Because he's going to seek and save the lost. And he goes to the guy and he finds the guy and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You've seen him and it's me. I believe, Lord, now he's saved. All of this happened to bring him Jesus. Now, here's the deal. All of the problems he's got, he's still got all of the problems, they, he's been thrown out of town. He's going to have to go somewhere else and live. But his life has been changed. Not only can he see, but now he has a new heart. And now he has the Holy Spirit residing in him. And now he's got guidance for the rest of his life. Because Jesus healed a blind man that just happened to be sitting by the gate. Let's pray. Father, your word says in Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
And Father, even with things so clearly stated, when bad things happen, we speak evil of you and we allow people to speak evil of you. So many people ask how you, who are supposed to be good and merciful, could let such horrendous things happen in the lives of innocent people. And we forget, Father, that we were all lost and that you've come looking for us. And you're finding many of us. And your word still goes out for those who would hear to say, I believe and worship you. Lord, I know you don't need us to make excuses for you. You don't need our defense with our weak and feeble excuses. And we repent from that. You are God and you are merciful. You sent Jesus to seek and to save people who were destined to be lost forever. You sent Jesus to find us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercies. Help us, Father, to help one another. In Jesus' name, amen. This man came... This man came to the gate to beg that day, like he always did. It was a day just like any other day. He got up in the morning, or somebody got him up in the morning. He wouldn't know that it was daylight. He was blind from birth. And he went to the place that he always goes in order to be, in order to beg from people. And think about the times that you've seen people begging in the streets. Maybe you've been in Atlanta or you've been in Macon or you've been somewhere and there's somebody begging. Some people drop in a coin, somebody dropping a dollar bill, some people ignore them. And after a while, they just become a part of the landscape. But this day, this guy's there doing his thing and Jesus came. This was not an accident. It wasn't an accident that on this day, Jesus came. And I want to say to you, some of you here today, some of you in the chapel, I want you to remember you may have come to church this day for any myriad number of reasons. Maybe it's to make your wife shut up, make your kids happy. Maybe you just wanted to come to church today for some reason. It's not an accident. You came today because Jesus wants you to hear that he came to seek and save the lost. That Jesus died on a cross for your sins because, not because we make mistakes, but because we have sinned against Almighty God. And he came to die for those sins, to be buried in a tomb, to be raised to new life, so that you could be raised to new life too. For right now, so you could have peace right now and contentment right now and learn how to live the way he's called us to live. You're here to hear that message. And I pray that if you've heard that message, that you can say what this blind man said, that you can say, I believe, and you can worship Jesus. And if you can do that, if you will do that, I invite you to come tell me, and, uh, and we can share it with the world, that you now have a Savior and you are a new creature. And for the rest of us, I want you to think real hard about the fact that you were lost, and Jesus came looking for you that makes you special that makes you very special no matter what anybody says no matter how bad work gets school gets 
husband and wife gets, no matter how bad anything gets, you are special in the eyes of God. And tell him thank you for that right now. Would y'all stand as we sing?